Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. It's not Monday morning. It's Tuesday. It's the eve of the National Signing Day across college football. And we're going to do a Q&A podcast because I have the questions. My tag team partner, Chris Anderson, has the answers. Chris, um, not quite as big of a deal as it used to be when that first Wednesday mm-hmm. in February was the signing day. I would imagine, though, it's a big day because it's a relief because it's over and sooner than later. You don't have to drag this on quite as long. The early signing period is really kind of the signing day now, too. And I don't want to say it's all done, you know, in, in 48, 72 hours, but a long time dating back to, I think the first commitment was in what, 2019 coming from Victor Wickstrom, right? Yeah, it was. He, he was definitely the first one. Uh, I believe, and then there was there was a, a delay between the second one. I don't think St. McLeod was until I remember St. McLeod because I was uh, on my birthday dinner, uh, January thirty first. If anybody's sending presents, but the next night, February first, out with my wife, trying to enjoy a night out. I believe you were out of town because I think it was mm-hmm. right after a basketball. It was a Saturday night, and we were both out. And I remember St. McLeod called me, and I tried to call in for some help from headquarters in CBS, and nobody had time to help. And so I'm sitting there at dinner with my wife uh, between a glass of wine, trying to text onto our message board full quotes from St. McLeod um, before anybody else could get them. Uh, and it, that feels like a decade ago right now I mean, for, for a lot of different reasons. But it, it has been a long time coming with this class. Also, uh, St. McLeod is one of my favorite vacation spots. It's just outside <laughs> of the Seychelles. <laughs> oh, boy. So... <laughs> back into recruiting the class is maybe at capacity perhaps not too far from capacity you don't expect a lot of action maybe even fewer surprises now it looks like this stuff is mostly tucked in and put to bed overall we'll start with a broad question then we'll break it down a little bit here what type of final product do you foresee Tomorrow afternoon here, is it everybody's in, everybody's done? Is there one or two questions? Is there one or two surprises? I think as far as the traditional high school and junior college recruiting, this is it. I think you're seeing it. I think there might be one more addition. Um, You know, currently 16 commitments in this class, verbal commitments. I've mentioned before on the board several times for, for a couple months now, not sure if we're counting Edward Besterinen from Finland right now. Just because he's not your traditional traditional recruit. Um, again, he was supposed to be in the 2021 class originally. Uh, in Finland, once you finish high school, you have to do a um, military service. Mm. So he was going to do the military service and then start going through the recruiting process for 2021. Ended up getting relief from military service several months early. So then West Virginia tried to sneak him in in August as part of a late 2020 kind of guy. Didn't work out because of visa issues, a lot of visa issues with the pandemic going on, guys trying to come from Europe to the United States. Travel was just not happening. And then, you know, he said that would be fixed and he'd be here in December. So I I, I don't think that's not happening, but was that a double negative? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think that's not happening. That sounds good. Um, but I'm just not expecting Bisterinen to be part of the festivities tomorrow let's put it that way i'm not expecting him to have a graphic and highlights and a whole segment uh you know set aside for him with the uh wvu crew with 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 neil brown with the guys like tony 
Caridi and them that that'll be handling all that in well, I guess not in the Puskar Center, but wherever they are. Was that Edward texting you? Is his, are his ears burning? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a that was a recruiting related text, but it was not Mr. Vesterinen. No, I don't want to get too hung up on Vesterinen. Um, he's if you look categorically at our earsports.com rankings, he's the last guy, which means he's the lowest ranked recruit. It, it really hard to get a grasp on him. So I think some people will be like, eh, he's he's a guy from you know Finland. What do we know? He's way more than that. <laughs> the stuff that we saw of him, his tape, and then the the, the plaudits that people have whispered in our ears about him, physically, athletically, um, translation to football seems like it. The potential's immense there too. Um, I guess our first detailed player look here, and then we'll circle back and get into things. But since we're on the topic here, he, he's not just a guy. It seems like there is a ton of promise packed within a Helsinki Roosters jersey. <laughs> I like it. I love, I love the Roosters. And what was uh, Wickstrom saying? The, the, ta- the Tabby Flyers. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I love these names. Um, yeah, and, and <clears throat> here's another angle that you're going at with. You're trying to find bodies that are ready on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And, hey, maybe you go the transfer route. And I, I would still keep that window open heading into you know the offseason here for that position. I would still consider it. But – He's going to be almost 20 years old. So he's not your, tra- he's going to be a freshman. He's, but he's not going to be your traditional freshman. He's going to be a 20 year old man that's gone through military service that's coming in. Um, again, so he's not some 18 year old kid that's only done some, some weightlifting with, you know, a high school gym coach. This is, this is, this is a man that's coming in. So there's still some potential there. Uh, he could be, we'll have to see if he's, ready as far as his skill set goes but physically i think he he might be somebody that can contribute early Mm -hmm. all right let's back up here i look at what they have on paper here and and i try to look ahead at what we think they may do and i understand that remaining holes will probably be addressed with the transfer portal but 16 maybe 15 perhaps 17 um in that ballpark, it's not 25. It makes you think back to the the Bill Stewart days where they were intentionally undersigning because they were trying to hit uh, certain positions or certain numbers. The world is totally different in regard now because of the maxes and all that stuff, the caps you can have. But this also does seem a little bit like when you're playing the NCAA video games and you're trying to make sure that you you get your position of needs and you don't oversign, so you have to cut a bunch of people. Um Odd analogy, but I'm looking at it, and what do they need? They need this position. Oh, they have a guy there. They need two people here. Oh, they have two there. Have to get better at running back. They got two pretty good running backs, too. As far as needs and achievements here, I think it looks like that they have sewn up that part of it, too. And oh, by the way, quality players at those positions of need. Am I accurate there? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, you're looking. Think about this year's team. You know, you have a ton of defense stellar across the board. And a lot of those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, coming back offense, where was the firepower? You know, you're struggling with, with guys making plays in space. Uh, Letty Brown was really, you try to th- try to think of the, all the receivers and all the running backs. I think you had Letty Brown winning a lot of one-on-ones, but who else from the skill position on offense was winning one-on-ones? Not many, if any. And, and then you go out and Caden Prather, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the entire country, one of the best receivers I've ever seen at WVU camp. Uh, you know, he's up there for me right with, as far as camp performances at WVU go, right up there with Shelton Gibson. Uh, you know, Gibson Gibson was amazing when I saw him at camp several years ago as a high school recruit, and, and Prather was right there with him. 
And running back, you get Jalen Anderson, who was already good, and I think a lot of people thought was good. I was not aware of how shifty and how more how much of a, a kind of dual threat running back he was, but he catches the ball as well as any running back in the entire country, and his senior film is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Justin Johnson didn't get to play his senior year. They're, they're, uh, Illinois did not play high school football, so we don't have any updated film. And then junior film, this is where – I don't want to say there's a disconnect between his his rating and his offers because he has a ton of offers, including Big Ten schools, Big 12 schools, obviously. But he is someone that, you know, had he not, he had gotten hurt early uh, in his junior year or missed a couple games in his at the start of his junior year and came in late and finished it off. And during that minimum, uh, was it seven games, I think it was, he was outstanding. But his film was limited. He wasn't there to start the season, didn't get to do kind of spring and summer camps because of the injury. So maybe, you know, he's, he's what, the fourth highest rated kid in the class, but maybe he should be higher. Maybe, you know, maybe he's kind of a diamond in the rough since there is no senior film for colleges to see. There was no summer camps before junior year, which is so key in recruiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, He could prove pretty darn good. So there you go. You got two amazing running backs, uh, an amazing wide receiver. And on the offensive line, West Virginia's kind of struggled it at tackle, and boom, there's All-American Wyatt Millum. So you think about the biggest needs on this team, where West Virginia struggled, and there's your top four players in this class. Defense may take some hits to graduation, NFL. You can check all that stuff out. We've got our attrition tracker running up right now. It's attrition season, Chris. Oh, yes, it is. Tracker season, too. Might actually have to fire up the dunk tracker, too, now that we've seen that. That actually can happen <laughs> on the basketball court. But multiple trackers going up. Um, one's the attrition tracker, and it goes over players who are seniors and could come back, um, players who are underclassmen and could go pro. Dante Stills, obviously, NFL prospect. And then a number of the seniors that could come back and make a difference but may also still choose to go on with their lives are on defense. So we're talking defensive line. And we're talking secondary, specifically um, the two safety spots here. I don't know if they have an immediate need filler on the defensive line or at safety. They're just particular positions that maybe require some experience or maturity. But you look at the way they play defense, and I'm thinking maybe the spear and how they kind of like to, I guess, build up their defensive linemen, where maybe an end could be a bandit or a bandit could be an end later in his career. Maybe a defensive lineman could be an end or a tackle, or maybe a nose if he gets so big. But um, let's start with the defensive line, maybe get to the, the secondary and how they fill in those safeties. But I'm looking at defensive line bodies here. And, for example, Braylon Dudley, 6'3", 250. Uh, Hammond Russell, um, unfortunate situation with him, but perhaps all goes well and he's back. 6'3", 245. And then the defensive lineman, outside linebacker, I'm not sure what we think, but Ja'Cory Hammett, 6'3", 205 from South Florida. So you got some Ohio guys, some South Florida guys, some variation in bodies there. What do they do with their defensive line slash defensive front there as far as finding their particular positional skill size sets? I think this is where you might be looking at the the transfer portal laid out, guys, because mm-hmm. Dudley and Russell. And for those who don't know, Russell uh, had gotten in a car accident recently. Uh, he, he's, he seems to be fine. His His family said that. He's fine. He's safe. He's going to recover. But Russell, amazing if you see the photos of the car. Too. Yeah, that that was that was a, a scary looking wreck. Um, Russell and Dudley both told me 
that when they were being recruited, the staff told him that they were being recruited as kind of defensive ends or maybe a bandit type. And so if that's true, and we've seen we've seen guys their size kind of bounce back and forth between there, and, and Hammett's being recruited as as a bandit outside linebacker. So that's that's a lot of bandits, and there were a lot of bandits in the last class. Some of these guys are going to either have to bulk up and play on the defensive line. I think that's more likely where Russell and Dudley are going to be. But there was a player in this class, Nigel McGriff, who was a junior college player, you know, kind of, let's call him 2021 ready. He was ready to contribute next year. He decommitted and is going to take the extra year that the NJCAA uh, and the NCAA, the junior college and, and the NCAA, uh, associations gave players that they could play another year and not use an eligibility. So he's going to use another year, stay at junior college, most likely. Uh, he's going to kind of evaluate what what comes in the next couple months and what his options are. But that was a guy I think they were relying on to be in the middle. He was kind of a bigger defensive tackle type, maybe somebody that plays that strong side defensive end or knows even. So I still expect them to kind of look for someone like that, someone with that body type, someone that can fill the bigger spots on the defensive line. And right now it's not in this class. And I'm not sure if Vesterinen is that. I don't think you can rely on him that much because he's not that much bigger than, say, Dudley or Russell. But so that that's that's one I'd keep an eye on after signing day. By the way, hmm. Nigel McGriff choosing yeah. to go back to junior college. Has this ever happened? <laughs> we've all we've all watched Last Chance U, right? Nobody yeah. wants to do another year of this, right? No, I I don't I don't get it. But um, he's not the he's I had never heard of it before this year. Uh, you know, usually we see it the other way. John Hughes, uh, yeah, uh, offensive tackle for West Virginia right now. He was the other way. You know, he wasn't supposed to be out until what twenty twenty. He was supposed to be a 2020 recruit and then decided to leave junior college early because he was already a qualifier. So he could, he didn't have to graduate junior college before he enrolled. And so he left early and that's what, if kids are able to, they're trying to find as many ways as possible to get out of junior college early rather than stay an extra year. But with this pandemic, hearing more and more about it, uh, you know, another guy that West Virginia was recruiting, uh, Tavarian Scott, the linebacker, he was supposed to be a 2021 recruit told me a month or so ago that nah, man, I'm, I'm sticking around and I'm going to, you know, go through this cycle again and be a 2022 kid. So it, it's happening now, but I, for the life of me, I'm unsure why I don't think, you know, like you said, we've all seen last chance. You uh, junior college does not look like fun. It does not look like fun football. I mean, there's some, the football looks fun, but it's it's a tough life. It's not easy. Oh, yeah. There's some basketball players, uh, Kedrian Johnson, Taz Sherman, who willingly went back. They were automatic qualifiers, and they could have just done one year and left. They went back because they weren't getting offers. Um, a football offer from West Virginia out of the, you know, the Mississippi Community College, it's a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't happen to everybody, and you're going to get it. I'd be very surprised if he ended up on West Virginia because he said no once. Also, they played six games this year. They went six and zero, and were like really good. And he was he was excellent to start. Um, I saw highlights of his first game. Uh, Thirteen tackles in their first game. He looked great. And you're thinking, oh man, that's one that got away. I think he's probably still going to get away. But uh, yeah, that's what a, what a weird story. There are so many strange stories in this in this class, and then certainly defensive line is one of them there too. Um, safety spots too. I'm always intrigued here. And again, I don't know if any one of these are are immediate people, but you look at what, for example, Tyke Smith did as a freshman. 
And then you look at what other players have not done to the years at the, on the back end. But we mentioned St. McLeod. You have Aubrey Burks. They might need to get somebody else back there. I don't know where Andrew Wilson-Lamp ends up. Probably a corner, right? Yeah, he's a corner. So safety's here. But again, um, athletes, people who maybe could play one or the other. But hey, we like the way they run, jump, play football, tackle, learn. Let's get them here and figure out where they go. Yeah, I think, you know, Burks is kind of that spear type of player. And I think you're still going to see guys going, uh, being recruited here. And one that we've mentioned before, uh, I, you know, I, I, I told people to keep an eye on on signing day to Marion Crumpley from Ohio. He's a good looking defensive back that West Virginia is recruiting. He's got WVU in his top three. So that's something to watch on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But here's the question. Um, what what's the situation at safety next year? Because I think there's still some moving parts. As you mentioned, you know, a couple of those senior guys that may be graduating, maybe not, might, might be done. You know, Sean Mahone and Alonzo Adai were two of the guys that early in the year, earlier in the year, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe both of us, I know I was thinking it too, but they were two prime candidates for this extra year for the seniors. Mm-hmm. They were guys that, that, that could come back and, you know, maybe they fit that, that window of guys that should come back. They're either going to be really old or really young at safety. And then by extension, pretty so, old or pretty young in the secondary. Cause they're going to get fortune and Miller back barring something surprising. Yeah. They should have more depth with Porter, Matthews, perhaps even David Vincent O'Coley. They should be they should be considerably better at at a corner. I don't know who the backups are at safety. Like I know who they are on paper, but I'm not sure that they're gonna be there. And I don't know who what young guy's gonna come up and take that spot. I don't know what recruit would take it. I mean, they have to be crossing their fingers that one or both these guys stay. Thing is, is Mahone is a die going to be significantly better? after playing 2021 in this defense, or have they gained enough that they could become NFL prospects? I don't know. I, I, I think that while Mahone and the die are pretty good players, they're probably fairly generic when it comes to NFL uh, checks and box, you know, you know, those type of things like, you know, does check, check the box here. Um, is he good enough here? They're probably, like I said, generic players. Are they outstanding in an area? I don't think so. None of them really wow me physically or athletically. Are they, are they burners? Are they, you know, extremely agile people who can jump and run and cover? Don't know. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be wildly benefited by another year. You don't cut tenths of a second off your 40 time. You don't you don't jump four inches higher in a 40 just because you come back one year. And that's kind of like the stuff that gets you drafted. Tape measure stuff, maybe more than like highlight tape stuff. So maybe they both just really like college. The trouble is that a, a die is kind of old. Remember, he prepped one year. And then this would be his sixth year in college. Is that right? Um, yeah. Red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a long time. And then Mahone, again, fifth year guy, he'll be a six year guy. So does he want to do that? Don't know. But man, they got to know soon. And the, the fact that they haven't said something yet makes me wonder if they're so enthusiastic about it. They need to be talked into it. So I, I wonder if one or both comes back if they haven't already decided that. Yeah. And, and Neil Brown has said, you know, he hasn't given many um, hints as to what they're going to do. You know, he's, he said, hey, we got five or six spots left. We'll get a couple kids on signing day. Save a couple of spots for the, the transfer market afterwards. And he very, he didn't mention any 
positions except for we'd like to get a linebacker and we'd like to get somebody else in the secondary and the back end of the secondary. So I think he's specific safety. So it, it to him, it seems like to me that his priority is to add another safety, maybe two, uh, maybe one in high school, one one from the transfer portal. Safeties on the roster that could reasonably play back there. Noah Guzman, a very, I don't want to say disappointing, but a non-fulfilling season for him. I'm not even sure if he was healthy throughout most of the season. He just didn't play a lot. Scotty Young was brought to play this season. Kerry Martin? Question mark? That's it. <laughs> like, where are they putting guys back there? So they gotta hope. And, and you know, unless like Jaido can play back there, or maybe Jackie Matthews can play back there. They have they have some ways to make it work. And hey, we, we weren't talking about, oh boy, what happens a year from now if they don't have a die in Mahone? So certainly they may have answers we don't know about, but uh, I think they do have to cross their fingers. I hope that one or both comes back there. Or, like you said, hit on somebody here late in the game and try to make it work. Um, offensive line, the the highlight player is obviously Millam. Seemed like he was going toward a fifth star. Didn't. Ends up with a four star. But, you know, oh, no, just the 108th best player in the country. <laughs> just a top 15 offensive tackle in the country. I think you take that in, in every year if you're West Virginia or if you're even major power five teams. That's a good one, especially when he's within your borders. And then Thomas Remach, you've written mm-hmm. about kind of one of those teal chips on the way up. They catch him in a good time in his progression for football. Are we spoiled by Zach Frazier's season to think that I'm looking probably at Millam here, but that one of these guys can help sooner than later? Or do we have mm-hmm. to follow the Parker Moore, Bryson Mays, Blaine Scott? patient track here and hope that one of the two of them is reasonably helpful perhaps in 2022 and beyond yeah let, let's not get skewed just because zach frazier came in and and did what he did right now because that that's so very rare so so very rare even for the best offensive linemen it's just getting in there and contributing in the trenches in college is is difficult because it's such a size and strength advantage uh, to, to be older, to have experience, to hit that weight room in college. So let's not get skewed just because Zach Frazier was able to come in. And and, he, and let's be honest here, you know, his play, it wasn't bad by any means, but it tailed off as the year went on. He's a true freshman, and it's a long season. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty darn good at the beginning of the year, okay at the end of the year, and which is amazing for a true freshman, amazing. But to expect... Millam, as high as highly rated as he is, to come right in and s- snag a starting job or even be in the rotation, you know that that's lofty expectations for for any high four star recruit. So I wouldn't bank on him, you know, being the starting right tackle, for instance, next fall. I think you'll see him fight. I think you'll see him be in the two deep. I think you'll hear some talk about him, but I wouldn't expect him to be a starter right away. Encouraging. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah. The tools are there. If you watch him play, oh, yeah. not, not great. This is such a weird year in West Virginia high school football. And I guess that was kind of to his detriment. They didn't get to see a ton of him to really evaluate him, but he looks like he has all the tools to play either tackle spot. He could probably play inside too, if they needed him to. Um, it just seems like a, a good player here. 
um, highlights for me. If you look at different things, um, you're right. Anderson's film. Whew, man, what a fun player. Um, am I wrong to say there's some Lady Brown there? <clears throat> no, I think that's that that seems very accurate. I, I did not think it at first. Um, I thought Letty Brown was was shiftier and, and better out of the backfield catching the ball. But seeing that film, I mean, it's very obvious that Anderson is, is a true dual threat. Mm-hmm. And then you said you're right. Prather looks like he can run and jump. I would assume an outside guy. I think they're going to need players outside to help him. That's awful nice. Lamp's just a talented kid. Um, he's listed as a receiver. He was wanted by other schools as a receiver. He's probably going to play cornerback here. With what are the coaches working with another guy from that that really talented that Massillon part of the country? Yeah, Wilson. Like he is he is an athlete. Like his he's tall. He's lanky. He can jump and. Very early on, you know, he came to West Virginia. We, we saw him. He played a lot of wide receiver. But even before colleges started talking to him about it, there was a lot of scouts like, man, if you can convince this kid to play tackle, who boy, mm-hmm. or uh, excuse tackle, sorry, cornerback, um, he could be, you know, an <laughs> NFL-type talent. Mm-hmm. 6'3", 175 tackle. No, cornerback. Uh, he could be an NFL type talent. And that was an interesting sticking point at first. Cause I, I, he didn't say that he would only play wide receiver, but I think there was a, a desire to play on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But the more and more schools got involved, they were all like, Hey, cornerback, cornerback. And I think he, he realized that, Hey, that's where the future is. And West Virginia is one of the first schools to mention that to him and kind of stuck with it. And I think he, you know, that made an impact on him and that it, it showed him that West Virginia had a plan for him and, and his best future in mind. And so he's somebody that could, if you can get it down, uh, you know, some some footwork things, some footwork and hip issues, not issues, because he, he has the hips to do it. He's just got to get his technique right. He could really be something special. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Um, Hammett was a guy we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Bit of an injury deal with him, which is kind of unfortunate. I believe he tore his ACL, correct? Yeah, he tore his ACL first first game of the season. Um, so he's, he'll be out, uh, you know, until... Till summer, till next fall, probably. So might not play, but again, I think everybody liked him. And you're talking, you can go into South Florida, getting guys. He was committed to Miami, correct? Yep. And then getting a guy from South Florida committed to Miami who goes to Miami Northwestern, which is typically a big time program there too. I'm always amused by West Virginia and South Florida. They come and they go, but Trickett's pretty good there. They're going to have some interest down there every year. They're, I think uh, Burks is from South Florida too, right? Right. 
Auburndale, I'm not exactly sure that is, but I have on my list. Are they back in South Florida, or, or are they connected enough where if they know somebody at some school, like Porter, again, is from a really good high school program, and they went down there and got him from Fort Lauderdale. Are they, do they still have some juice down there? I think so. Tr- Trickett's got a ton of um, ton of connections. And by the way, Lakeland, no, that's up near Tampa, I oh, think. Uh, but um, I, I, Trickett's, got, Trickett's got some juice down there. I think the Trickett name, the Trickett family – has some juice down there. Tra- uh, Travis Trickett, the assistant at West Virginia, has been recruiting that area for some time for several different schools. So he has relationships with with a lot of the top high schools down there. And I think he's th- this this Hammett deal is you know obviously the injury is unfortunate and they'll have to work around that. I, I, he's, I still expect him to sign. I still expect him to be part of the class. They're not going to cut him or anything like that. But he. Um, you know, Trickett kept that going because Hammett was committed to Miami and there was no signs that he was looking around mm-hmm. all the while. Trickett's just, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? How about WVU? Hey, how's it going? And just out of the blue. I mean, that was probably, uh, trying to think, let me quick scope around this class. That was basically the only recruit in this class that surprised me. And it was stunning, mm-hmm. just out of the blue. Like we, knew, you know, they they gave the bat signal that there was a commit, <clears throat> and I had somebody tell me, you know, hey, it's a it's it's a linebacker. And I'm thinking, man, who in the world is that? And I'm looking at the target list. I'm looking around, and you know, I knew West Virginia had been in touch with him, but to get him, to get a Miami kid who is committed to Miami, to just flat out flip to West Virginia without ever visiting. And during a pandemic where all you can do is chit chat on the phone is remarkable. Like that is a heck of a pitch. That is a heck of a sales job right there mm-hmm. by Trickett. So I think, you know, with that in mind, he's somebody that can do a little bit of damage like that. You know, I'm not expecting him to go down there and snatch four and five star kids from Miami and Florida and Florida state all the time, but he's somebody that can go down there and snatch that kind of kid, you know, that high three-star kid, just like, you know, Stedman Bailey and Geno Smith and, and those types down there. Two players I haven't mentioned yet, and I guess because we'll cross everyone off the list, not intentionally, but with our conversation went here. But Traylon Davis, two tight ends. He and Wickstrom are both in the class. They're just committed to that. Speaking of Trickett, um, Davis looks like a bit of an O'Loughlin kind of guy, but mm-hmm. certainly seems like he's wired to play traditional tight end. And, and Wickstrom is another one of those guys who just seems like he's a physical fit. Um, they have what they're looking for there with a bit of a mix with Davis and just a, a powerful guy who could grow into the position at Wickstrom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You and I saw Wickstrom at WVU camp a couple Ooh. summers ago. Big looking dude. I, th- I think when we first saw him, I know my first initial thought was, oh, that looks like a good outside linebacker or defensive end because he's just, he's massive. And, and he keeps posting all these videos. You keep seeing him working out over there and he's just, bench pressing 400 pounds and deadlifting 500 pounds and doing just an insane amount of weight just makes me squeamish watching it. Um, so he's going to come in physically ready to go. You know, he's going to need some coaching and, and, and route running drills, but he's could be a guy that could come right in and play more of that Jackson Knipper type mm-hmm. tight end that that's just clearing the path to start as he works out the kinks everywhere else in his game. And then Traylon Davis, like you said, Michael Laughlin, that's a good comparison. And he's, but he also has that mindset of, I'm just going to clear everyone out. Um, his film from his junior year, his senior year showed a little more 
of his receiving game, mm-hmm. his receiving ability. His junior film was just him laying kids out, blocking, just mm-hmm. just driving them 30 yards down the field. And I know that's that's a big reason that West Virginia kind of t- took aim at him and really wanted to get more, as it was put to me, wanted to get more bodies like these two in that in that room because the two years ago three right before this staff arrived west virginia made the choice to take zero tight ends and that you know that set the whole the whole room back like a couple years and then thankfully they were able to get banks and o'laughlin in one class and then add charles finley and now they're adding these two and suddenly five scholarship tight ends which as far as i can remember is the most tight end scholarship tight ends on the roster at one time in the past decade, yeah. maybe more. Good start. If you're trying to turn that thing around, I mean, that's the way to do it. Get bodies in there, teach them up, develop them over time too. I lied. We, we haven't talked about a uh, Will Crowder. I don't know how much we have to talk about him, but we both seem to like him uh, in that mold that, that Brown seems to like runner a little bit can definitely hurt you with his feet, but uh, a quarterback quarterback, uh, great nickname they seem to like him too worried though because if i remember correctly never on campus and never in person scattered him is that a just a byproduct of this and did they do enough homework in this era to get him fully understood and fully comfortable to take a commitment from him Uh, he did get to campus so he was able to visit uh he did not get to throw Mm -hmm. in front of neil brown um sean reagan saw him in person like god what was he a sophomore so he was a sophomore, right. I think, when Sean Reagan saw him. So he hasn't really seen him since then. Um, no, he saw him his junior year, junior year in high school. It's in the fall. But didn't get to see him. You know, again, the they had – my understanding is that they were recruiting him. They offered him, but they still wanted Neil Brown. I mean, it's not even my understanding. Will Crowder told me this himself. Um, it was that Neil Brown wanted to see him throw in person. And that was really the holdup of why he didn't commit earlier than he did. And the plan was for that to happen in the spring. Obviously, spring evaluation get, uh, period gets canceled with the pandemic. No plans for summer camps. And they didn't really have much of a choice. It was like, hey, you either take it, you know, trust Sean Reagan's word, because Sean Reagan has seen him throw. Uh, trust Sean Reagan's word, his high school coach's word, and the film. Or you more or less don't have a quarterback in this class. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the right move. You know, he's, he's looked great this week. Uh, or I guess it was last week is, is, since it's uh, Tuesday, but over the last week and over the weekend, he's looked great at the Mississippi Alabama all-star game. Got rave reviews for his accuracy. Hasn't thrown a bunch of interceptions uh, was labeled the best quarterback in that game. Right. Um, I think there was at least two other guys that are going to play FBS football. So that's, that's a good sign. I, I, I like what I've seen from him, but yeah, I think this is the first quarterback and, and this is, you know, cause this is a, this is a thing for, for all schools, they want to see the kid throw in person at quarterback. Like that's not unreasonable. That's every single college. It's every single coach. I'm trying to remember the last time West Virginia took a commitment from a quarterback without the head coach seeing him throw in person, because that was a, that was a Dana thing too. And so we'll see how it turns out. But Sean Reagan got to see him, and you got to trust your quarterbacks coach in those situations. Yep. Finally, saving him for last because he really intrigues me. I think he might be one of your favorite players in the class. I haven't quizzed you on this, but I've read your fine words devoted to him. Other people seem to like him up to the finish line here too. Davis Mallinger. Yeah. 
kind of an exciting looking kid for when they got him, from where they got him, who else wants him right now too. Are you on board here? Do you like what you see and what battle do they still have left? And provided they get him here, I think they want to make him an early enrollee. Uh, what are they working with? Yeah, he is an early enrollee. Uh, the the fight to the finish you're talking about is Tennessee. Um, volunteers came in with an offer at the end of October, and they're still pushing for him. You know, I, I've been getting questions from down in Knoxville from our guys down in Knoxville that that they still want him. They're still pushing for him. But Malinger told Malinger told me, hey, you know, I'm signing with West Virginia on Wednesday at 4 p.m. As little, you know, hey, he hasn't said that publicly. He's only told me that. I posted it on our board, but. Uh, yeah, you never know. You never know. And then, you know, last night he came out and said, Hey, I'm signing with West Virginia period 4 PM Wednesday, uh, posted on social media. So that's, I don't want to say that that's that, but that's definitely a good sign. Um, but I'm with you. I, I, I really like this commitment. I think the only question mark for me is which position as you know, he was recruited as an athlete. I think there was a, a lean towards safety, but maybe it's wide receiver. He is a heck of a wide right. receiver, and I think you can do a lot more damage with that kind of speed. You know, he's got all-state speed, and if you're all-state speedster in Florida, you're fast. You're real fast. And uh, that straight-line speed, that kind of deep threat, and, and he's shown some some body control, too, with some of his highlights this year, his ability to kind of go up, grab the ball, contort his body around, and still get his feet down is pretty remarkable. So he's not just some guy that runs in a straight line. So I, if you were me and I'm, you know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not getting paid, you know, a million dollars a year to scout college kids and, and, and recruit them and play them in college. But I, I would like him more at receiver and the ability to be that guy that, that breaks the big play. And cause West Virginia needs that. They need somebody that can make a play by themselves. When you say all-state speed, you're not talking on the football field. He's an all-state track guy. Correct. Florida. Yes. He can ten, fly. Was it 10 something 100 meter dash? Which, if you're in the tens in 100 meter dash, you are fast. Yeah, I don't care what your place is. If you finish fifth in the state meet and you run a 10 something, you're still fast. Just means the four guys are really, really fast, right? That's okay. Yeah. You can, you can live with that when their comparative analysis uh, is on your side. I, I, I see stuff like that, and I see him and his. Again, you're a guy who had like 700 yards receiving, ended up at like 1,200 all-purpose yards, which means he's doing stuff in other areas because he's fast and he can play. And then I see Sam Brown, and I wonder what the heck happened. <laughs> like there might have been some. It, it appeared very early on that there were some. I, I don't want to say red flags or warning signs, but when the head coach comes out and says, "I didn't think he played this well because he's not a good practice player," and some guys just play better under the lights. Okay. But when you have to play one game because of suspensions and because Sam James had missed practice time, and they don't have another choice, really. If you don't practice, you're not going to play. So perhaps that's it. But I just look at the way that Sam Brown looked in his high school tape, and I say, my gosh, they'll find a way. And I wonder, can they do this stuff here? Because they have the talent, certainly in Prather. It seems like it with a Malinger, too. And then, you know, there are some other parts that can do this. And that all fills out what we think is a pretty good recruiting class here. Chris, we um we are responsible for... Something that a lot of people have, have told me that they've heard is kind of amazing. Like when someone says, hey, have you heard this? I'm like, oh, boy, that's because I said that. We talked about how in the quiet corners of Christmas parties, basketball games, um, candid conversations, 
the coaches were saying that this recruiting class could be top 25 in the nation, the best ever at West Virginia. And it was headed in that direction. It probably won't finish there and through no fault, I think, of the staff's effort. It just seems like that a pandemic hit and it really stalled and stunted everything too. Where were they going with this? How good could it have been? And what effect, I think, deleterious did it have on getting to that finish line from them getting a top 25 class and them getting arguably or even convincingly the best rated class in school history? Well, first, you're going to have to tell me what deleterious means. Okay. Because I, oh. I, you're way over my head here, capital J journalism guy. <laughs> that, that's too big. But seriously, though, um, this is a smaller class because of the pandemic, and it's a good thing. So hear me out. First off, average rating, highest in school history. It's really not even close. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year was the last year, the 2020 class, the guys that are freshmen right now, that was the highest rated class in school history at 86.44 uh, for an average rating. This year is 87.19, uh, you know, with the class as it is, not expecting too many additions. And the lowest rated kid in the class is, is Visteranen, who we've talked about may or may not be um, technically part of this cra- class. It may be really good. Um, but may still roll. Yeah, it may be really, really darn good. And hey, by the way, uh, maybe I'll link to it later. Make sure you check out my Mr. Irrelevant uh, series. You, you know how they call the last guy drafted Mr. Irrelevant? I did mm-hmm. a thing on the lowest rated recruit in every West Virginia class and how more than half of them actually end up pretty, pretty darn good. And I know that's going to send off the, ah, Recruiting rankings don't mean anything. See, I told you, I told you. And it's that's not it. It's that a lot of these guys that end up as the lowest rated kid in the class have extenuating circumstances that make them the lowest rated kid in the class. For instance, you know, a couple of the guys have been specialists. Specialists always get rated low. Uh, Karan White was one. And that was because he was he was just like Pasteran and not that he's from Europe, but that he was supposed to be in the next class, but found his way out of junior college a year early, didn't get scouted. Boom, there he is. So there's a lot of goes like that. And and look for those guys that are ranked lowly, but for reasons that don't have anything to do with football. And Besteranen fits fits that. So he's somebody that could be uh, one of those lowest rated kids in the class and ends up being pretty darn good. Sorry, um, I went off on a tangent there. Mm. And you were asking me, about the class as a whole. Yeah, like I said, 87.19, highest average rating in the class. But they didn't go, you know, they got 16 commitments. Uh, you know, Neil Bryan admitted that, you know, maybe they were going to get to 22. And that was because they had added the kids, the late transfers and all those guys last summer that they then counted towards this class. And, you know, you can only have 25 in a class. So a couple of those guys count towards this one. So they were going to have lower numbers anyway. So, Oddly enough, this worked out for because of that, because there's a lot of there are a lot of schools right now that are just filling up this class and doing it on guys that they haven't seen in person, that they haven't had visit, that they didn't really truly get to evaluate. And if you go look at West Virginia's 16 commitments, I off the top of my head, I mean they have in person scouted. And had up for a visit, like 13 of them. You know, a lot of these guys, especially the guys at the top of the class, Millam, Prather, Anderson, 
Wilson Lamb. All those guys were at WVU camp two summers ago and got their offers. These were guys that they found early in the cycle and said, wow, those guys are legit. Let's offer them. Not guys that said, well, pandemic's here. We can't evaluate anybody, so let's just throw out some offers and hope we can add to the class. No, these were guys that they saw in person, and instead of panicking and throwing out some extra offers to a bunch of guys that they hadn't scouted, they kind of said, hey, you know what? This is who we got. This is what we're sticking with. And then let's use the last handful of spots for um, transfers. Because then, then we'll be able to, again, look at guys that we truly know are talented and can help right away. Well, think of this, too. This helped West Virginia this year, I think, in that players could not get out and visit other schools during the transfer cycle last year. And schools couldn't get a look at a player because you weren't allowed to go anywhere. You couldn't have recruiting activities. So players who thought about maybe leaving didn't, and they stayed. You're going to get almost like a two-for-one recruiting transfer wave here guys who were itchy last year but didn't jump and then guys who were itchy this year and do get to jump and just how many players was west virginia involved in in brown's first two one and a half two whatever you want to call it recruiting cycles who were going to be in that mix in the portal this year look at uh, uh ladanian webb right yep. in florida state in the transfer portal i don't think they would take him but that's just one who uh, the guy that they were i think near the finish line with last year he ended up going to florida state and playing early in the season and just Florida State went really sour this year, but you're going to find situations like that everywhere. And as you mentioned with like Trickett and Hammett, they don't really have bad relationships, I think, with people that they were in with until the finish. Now, they can't stay in touch with them during uh, their time on campus or another school. But if they were cordial and consistent and accommodating throughout the entire time and they liked West Virginia before, you could see a lot of people lining up to play just because you're going to have so many in the transfer portal. And if you didn't have room for that, at least for the possibility, you'd be saying no to people who you were going to say yes to one year ago, two years ago. And that doesn't make sense. So it almost, it could work out in a non deleterious effect. By the way, do you know where Webb ended up? No. <clears throat> Troy. Did he really? Yeah. Committed to, committed to Troy. I can't remember either late last night or this morning. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. He does know Neil Brown is up here, though, right? (laughs) I think so. Although I do find it amusing that even with the transfer portal, guys still already know where they're going to end up even before they actually get in the portal. It's pretty pretty remarkable how that works out, Mike. What uh, what have you heard about the portal so far? Not like West Virginia players, but just the general fiasco that's going to be happening soon. Uh, Let's say I got a text from... One college coach that's not at WVU that said, holy crap, the transfer portal is going crazy today. That was on Sunday. And then, or Monday, excuse me. And then maybe 10 minutes later, we get a text, or you and I both get an email from CBS, from some of the guys at headquarters of CBS. And it says, you talked about things for work. and And it finishes with, by the way, the transfer portal is on fire today. And yeah. I think that, that, you know, that kind of sums it up, what was going on. And it makes sense, you know, for those that don't know, when you give your school your, um, you, you know, you tell the school, I have, I plan to transfer, I'm entering the transfer portal. And then it, it takes between 24 and 48 hours for that to show up. And so the season ended for a lot of schools on Saturday. So 24 to 48 hours, boom, there you are to Monday. Um, you mentioned to me before, 
we got on here, hey, there might be some college might, hey, sleep on it and let's think about it. So maybe that goes into Sunday or Monday. Today's Tuesday. I bet there's going to be a heck of a lot of people in the portal today. I bet there's going to be even more tomorrow. Yep. And then once we get past signing day, I bet there's still going to be more. This is going to be a ridiculous week for the yeah. transfer portal. I heard that like Monday was the day that a lot of schools had it. Um, like you have your meetings, you have your deadlines because people played. Not everybody because there's games this weekend, but a lot of schools were done Saturday or were done before. And Mondays or Tuesdays or Mondays and Tuesdays, coaches have those talks with their players. Their players come in and say, hey, I'm on out. And you got 48 hours to do it. So Tuesday, Wednesday. I know someone who works in ops, and that person said that it was so busy in the portal that just stop checking because every time he checked, <laughs> there was another list of names in there and just said, I'm going to keep doing this, go crazy. I'll just come back later in the day. And he did, and there was a lot of people in there. Um, going to be busy. And, and we've heard some names coming in more so than out mm-hmm. that are interesting, but they're not even in the portal yet. So what do you know? Who knows? It could just be scuttlebutt. And then my favorite tradition in all of college football, um, please commit to me, sign with me, commit to me and stick with me for years and, and or for months and months before you sign with me to stick with me for years. I'll be your position coach. And then, whoop position coaches decommit from their school and go somewhere else um or don't get re-signed it goes both ways but it's funny how that stuff always seems to happen after signing day but what i'm saying is i mean that's pretty much the ugly side of college football but it's going to encourage kids to transfer to or to say i don't like what i liked before or i don't like who's going to be coaching me now or i don't know who's going to be coaching me now so this is going to be um as they say chris a fluid situation and uh, a lot of activity. And again, if you're holding a couple, um, a couple chips, you can throw in the middle here. Not a bad spot. You're kind of acquiescing to the way that football is in 2020. Uh, deleterious means causing harm, by the way. <laughs> I figured it out. I didn't have to Google it or anything and, and spell it wrong. Don't worry about it. I'm Fair not a good not. speller. I don't think I, I think I'd have to look that one up myself, but <laughs> my bad. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, you're good. I, 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 uh, here you go. I'm going to screw this. Up, I inferred what it meant. No, is it infer or is it uh, what's the other one? Deduced, I deduced what it meant based yeah. on the context of the conversation. Well, go. I got schooled by Homer Simpson on Twitter. <laughs> uh, fake Bob Buggins used a Homer Simpson clip to teach me the difference between jealous and envious, and I apparently couldn't find the right word. And I said, Jealous isn't the right word. If, if there was one that fit, I would use it. <laughs> It turns out envious, which is a synonym, was actually the right word, and it was right there. And if I had, if I gone to thesaurus.com, would have been okay. Except I need a dictionary to spell thesaurus. So yeah, funny how that works out. I have no more left here for you. If you have no more left for me, we can uh, wrap this up and head on to signing day. Yep. No. Uh, later today, I'll be adding in my signing day eve predictions. Everything I'm I'm expecting for tomorrow, which is you know in a lot of years that's hey here's five guys that are uncommitted. I'm gonna choose which school they're going to. Uh, this is going to be different because it's going to be about guys who are going to sign, guys who are not going to sign, guys who are uncommitted that could sign, transfer portal talk, a, a, a few different things. So it's going to have a lot more information. I'm going to also talk about why this class is so exciting. We touched on it a little bit here. And then you know, we dive right into full signing day tomorrow. I'm very curious how it's going to go. In most years, you know, there's a rush of announcements very early in the morning. But having spoken with a lot of the commits in this class, because of the COVID situation and what's going on at their schools, you know, some schools can't be in person right now. Some schools can't have ceremonies. Um, these kids don't know when they're going to sign or if they're going to sign or if they're going to have a ceremony. 
Uh, and when I say if, I, you know, I don't know if they're if they're going to do a ceremony or just do it at home or do it at 7 a.m. or do it at 5 p.m. or do it Friday. It, it's all kind of up in the air more than I can ever remember it, which, of course, makes sense. But um, you can follow along with us all the time. And if you aren't a VIP member, 60% off. If you miss Cyber Monday, that's gone. But 60% off, you still can't pass this deal. And let me let you in on a little secret. And hopefully nobody at headquarters hears this. If you sign up for that VIP deal right now, one year from today actually covers next year's signing day too. So, um, oh yeah. So uh, if you want to cheat the system a little bit, you can get a full year starting today and you'll get this signing day, you know, this signing day, all the, the February signing day, all the basketball season, spring football, baseball, summer camps, assuming all this stuff's coming back football season next year, start a basketball season and next year's signing day. So, um, Today's a good day to sign up if I were you. Wow, good job, Chris. Hard sell, fast. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's Ma- amazing. Max value. I'm, I'm looking out for max value here. That's what I'm looking for. If our bosses did hear that, I think they might reward you, actually, but we're not going to let them hear that. <laughs> that's good. All right, well, then that's it. We'll have, uh, again, the cornucopia here of all, all the different sports and on the field and off the field stuff. Bowls are a mess, it turns out. I'm going to oh, try to get to the bottom of that. Um, and then just all the signing day stuff and basketball and, and trying to put together a schedule here. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Wait, with hey, Iowa state. Do you want to, I don't want to drag this on, but did you see the thing where the NCAA is allowing teams to just play any old game they want to? Yeah. It's kind of what I'm, I'm working on here. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But like, again, if hypothetically you're West Virginia and you have no desire to go play some American team in um, Dallas in a bowl Arizona, game. Yeah. Well, you can play Pitt at Hines. What would you rather do? Yeah, I mean, I know Pitt already opted out, but if you could, if 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 you're Pitt and you get a call from WVU, like, hey, you want to have like a New Year's Day game? Everybody, or 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 like, was there a wait? Now I'm trying to remember. Was there a, a an end date where they couldn't have it after? Yeah, remember? those conditions. Yeah, you, you can't like basically have a game that. Yes, there, there are. There are okay, I was going to say, because I think the ideal scenario would be, hey, it, let's let all our kids go home for Christmas for a couple of weeks. Everybody gets back like the 26th. That way we have quarantine for a few days, practice for a few days, and then we play on January 7th or something like that. Uh, man, man, that'd be good. Because then you get the best of both worlds. The kids get a break. They get to see their families. Come back. You can still try to be safe about it and quarantine and check everything out. But... I don't know. I'm eager to see what you're going to write about. Well, the other thing is, if um, like if you opt out, I get it. But if you're if if everybody's eligible for a bowl, you're going to have teams that are like they're talking about winless teams playing in bowl games or one win teams playing in bowl games, which means they're going to get the benefit of those extra practices. And it's not a lot. And I don't think I don't think you're going to see teams do a whole lot anyways. You, typically, you're talking seven, eight, nine practices. But if you're some like one in 18 that got into a bowl game because of a brand or something like that. And, and you're getting to practice practices, but a team that was, was like six and four, but just didn't get invited or whatever. There's not yeah. gonna be a lot of them. But if you're a team that was two and eight and didn't get invited, why does that one team get them? You don't, I was hoping they would have something to say, listen, you can't, you can get some practices if you're not in a bowl game, because the other thing is too, you're not going to have all the bowls normal as normal. Like they're just, there's like what 33, I think. So eight have dropped out. It's something like that already. So you're talking 16 teams that are adversely affected that would have bowl practices. I was hoping they would put something in to say, 
listen, you can practice eight times or something like that just to do that. But this is a way around it of not having to figure out who's eligible, who's not, who could get the practices, who can't. Hey, schedule your own exhibition game or whatever like that. Uh, I need to read more about it because there are some things that had to do, and I'm trying to get in touch with some people. But it's a possibility. I don't, I'm not sure it'll happen. I'm not predicting anything, but it's it's a heck of a lot more appealing than some of these bowl game fiascos that teams are going to be walking into for who knows what reason. Mike, you know what you can do? Yes. Go for you that information. That's all for this time. <laughs> we will talk to you next time for earsports.com. I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.